that's it. We're ready to go. Thank you very much for letting me interview you for my study. Well, we're happy to participate and uh, well, I'm sure I'll find it informative. I hope so. Um, let's go with the <laughs> questions then. How would, okay. you, how would you define a maverick? A maverick, okay. Well, I guess it's someone who uh, has uh, their own style, uh, doesn't... Uh, worry about uh, having to conform to uh, a uh, set protocol or procedure. Okay. Uh, seeks to uh, uh, solve the problem, uh, both uh, with um, traditional and non-traditional solutions. So probably says, uh, uh, first, uh, do you want a solution or do you want a particular solution? Okay. Thank you. The London School of Economics developed a maverickism scale. I'm going, okay. to give, I'm going to give you seven statements and you just need to say true, false or you can't decide. Okay. People tell me that I'm a maverick. Uh, I'd say that uh, I, uh, it depends on what I'm being asked to do. Okay. So what I mean by... So what I mean by that is there are certain things that I feel I can't uh, fall outside of the box on, so to speak. Mm -hmm. uh, things with, that might pertain to safety. Okay. Um, you know, I, doing something that would have uh, some risk associated with it or enhanced risk probably would not be uh, appreciated in our organization. We try and mitigate risk when it comes to safety. Okay. Um, but uh, to come up with uh, new opportunities for a business or a new product or something like that, um, I would think that uh, uh, in some cases we're encouraged to be uh, um, uh, to think outside the box as much as we can. Okay. At so least initially, I should put that as a true then, or yeah, I would say uh, I think it's true, but with a caveat yeah. that. Uh, you know, I, 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 I say the caveat with safety. Safety is uh, an overarching theme in our organization. Okay. And um, so, you know, there are certain certain times when I would say the statement's false. But I think from, from a point of view of problem solving, if we assume that we're going to have a solution to something uh, which still meets all of our health, safety, and environmental guidelines, then I think the statement would be true. Okay. Sorry to do that, but I want to stress that, uh, that, that in, in our business, safety has to be our first, uh, our first requirement. Some people will say, well, it's all about making money. And I guess to stay in business, there must be some truth to that, too. But um, one of the ways I think that you can go out of business very quickly is by not uh, uh, keeping a, a very strict tact on safety. Okay. I have a knack for getting things right when least expected. Um, <laughs> um, I think that's that's true. I, I, I guess I, I uh, yeah, that's probably true. I, mean, I, I sometimes will come in with unexpected uh, ways of doing things. Sometimes within our organization, though, people will will come to people like myself who may think a little differently, with the hope that we will come up with an unexpected answer. Okay, okay. Um, 
I have a way of solving problems which is different from other people. I think that's true. Mm -hmm. I am much more productive than other people. Oh, this is tricky. Um, if, if it's on finding unique solutions uh, and inventing things, that's probably true in my case. Mm -hmm. um, I think if you're asking about, if, if, if you were to judge me about if, I, if my job was solely to, uh, um, let's say, sign pieces of paper, or, or a very, uh, let me say, a highly structured type of job, mm -hmm. I probably, I would say that that's probably false, because I would get bored very simply, okay. and I get tired of doing the same thing. So I think for the purpose of what you're trying to do, the answer is true. Okay. I have very unusual talents. Um, so I'm going to say this basis, my, uh, my organization and my peers, mm -hmm. from what I see in my industry. Um, I, would, I would actually, I would have preferred to say true to the following question. Um, I have a greater breadth of knowledge in the industry than most people. Uh, I may not know as much as some people on certain things, though. Okay. So I, I use that breath to help me look outside the box a bit and to come up with uh, a wider range of, of answers. Uh, I wouldn't say, though, that I am the world's expert on all areas. That would be very arrogant for me to say that. Okay. So how would you like me to take your response to that one that you have very unusual talents would you say it's true false or can't decide i think it's true i, I think breath in, in an industry that's as broad as mine mm -hmm. um is somewhat unusual and, and when i look at our organization we generally have people with some breath mm -hmm. but uh um uh, at least on the technical side um but I like to know a lot more about things outside of our business, which helps me bring solutions in. Okay. So I think that's a little bit unusual. Okay. I am generally underestimated by people. Yeah, I can't decide. It really depends on certain things. Some people, it, it, it depends. Now, I guess I, I would say that I often am underestimated by people who don't know me. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think the people who do know me know know what I'm capable of so they don't underestimate me. Okay. They usually, they usually know when to bring me in to try and solve problems. That makes sense. I do things differently and better than most people when I work. Gosh, I don't like the word better there. Um, I, I do think differently though. Okay. But, but better, better I don't like. So that, to me, we all think well, it's just that we, we do think differently. Thank you. <laughs> I, I, would, I would hate to not, I, I, I think that's how people get underestimated is that when people start to think that they think better than someone, yeah. I think differently than people do. Okay. Why do you do things differently, Brendan? Uh, because I find that it generally leads to interesting results. Mm -hmm. And if you want to do something better, you sometimes have to consider doing things differently. 
Okay. There's a reward to it, is I guess the reason. Okay. Sometimes there's a reward, sometimes okay. it's an absolute failure. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll you just keep trying. We'll come to that in a bit. Um, Does doing things differently require certain skills? And if so, what are they? Um, In my job, yes, it does. I think you have to have a a breadth of knowledge, Mm -hmm. very broad range of knowledge. Mm -hmm. Um, I think you have to have a willingness to consider things at first that have not been completely worked through. Mm-hmm. I think you have to have a willingness to be able to to know when your idea won't likely work and when you need to give it a greater chance. Okay. There's sometimes some intuition that comes with that. Thank you. You can't always be willing to give up, but you also can't uh, be willing not to challenge uh, existing paradigms or uh, the conventional thinking. Okay. What are the challenges to being a maverick? Uh, I think one is you have to have a certain amount of reputation mm-hmm. for people to uh, take you seriously. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it helps if you, uh, I think one of the challenges is to build a reputation that, uh, that uh, you are capable of coming up with innovative uh, solutions. Okay. Uh, I think uh, you have to be uh, willing to think outside the box. Yeah. I think you have to be willing to fail often. With the hope that you will try again, not just that the goal is to fail. (laughs) Okay, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. What aspect of your character influences your maverick approach? Um, so that that to me is what you know. If someone asks me what is what is the great. 
Okay. Mavericks often have unusual talents. What would you say yours are? So I think one is breath. So I can mm -hmm. look at uh, how a problem may have been approached in different business sectors, for example. Right. If I know a lot about uh, how um, um, I'm very much interested in how people approach problems. Um, I'm willing to consider methodologies and, and, and methods that uh, people can come up with. Okay. Um, so, for example, um, yeah, I found some of my peers hate having uh, uh, various game exercises or creativity tests or things like that. Right. Um, I, I sometimes find that those aren't valuable. But sometimes they can teach me certain things about how I think and how I may want to think when approaching a different problem. I think uh, another factor is a willingness to um, to be able to look through, if you will, different lenses, so to speak. Mm -hmm. um, for example, you may have a task uh, that gets performed in Canada or let's just say North America as a region. Okay. And people do things a certain way. But that may not be exactly the way things are done, let's say, in the Asia-Pacific world or okay. in the Middle East or something. In many cases, I find that you know, the, what's important is, is that the problem is solved in those areas. If you're aware of all three ways that, that people have gone about solving a problem, um, that's a very powerful tool because if you are currently in a you know, part of the world that is using one solution. Uh, it may be that how it's done elsewhere in the world may be applicable to a new way of doing things. Mm -hmm. And by being willing to look in a wider scope or in, in, a, in a large geographic area for how, how tasks get done, you may be able to bring a best practice in one area into an area where it's not really considered. Okay. I find sometimes in our in our world that people are very comfortable with how things are done where they are, mm -hmm. and they will assume that because that's how things are done near them, that that's the best way of doing things. True. Uh, there may be very elegant uh, solutions that have been done elsewhere that we sometimes blind ourselves to, and by being more aware and more willing to accept the fact that creativity can happen throughout the universe by a wide range of people, um, you know, that's, it's wise for us to, to, uh, to build on the logic and uh, intelligence of others too, not just our own. Okay. How do you see rules? Well, um, they can be barriers, mm -hmm. or they can be, um, Um, well, I, uh, I guess sometimes they can be guidelines. Sometimes they really can be barriers. Okay. Um, sometimes they can be um, things also that you can apply that uh, will help you focus on a problem. They can help narrow a problem down, okay. um, which may simplify it somewhat. That so I, I view them as, as somewhat restrictionary, but also uh, beneficial in a way that they may help define um, what is needed, uh, what 
Okay. Have you? Thank you. Thank you. I like that bit. <laughs> Have you always taken a maverick approach to business, or was there a particular trigger? Okay. So, so I became a little more more willing to uh, 
Okay, so first of all, um, caveat on my part, I'm laughing with you, not at you, when you were telling me that story. Uh-huh. Uh, second thing, so was, that, so was that your trigger, or were you always a maverick? No, I think I've, I think I've learned uh, through experiences like that, that you can, you, you can, you can explore things more thoroughly than trying to just do one little aspect. Okay. So I, like, I, I guess in general, I sort of gravitate now towards trying to work on larger problems or, or things that are perceived as more difficult problems. Okay. And um, it, it works out, I think, in, in, in the advantage. You can't, you can't just, you know, focus on one little part of, 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 of large complex problems generally. Okay. You have to be willing to, uh, to, to treat complex problems and, and, and be able to sort of study them as a whole. Um, I think, you know, you, you can break them into pieces, but you have to realize that there's many pieces to oftentimes to complex problems. Okay. You've touched on this before, but are you always a maverick or do you choose to be so at times? I think I do this at times. So okay. if, there's, if there's safety issues that might influence other people, I'm generally pretty conservative on things. Mm -hmm. In problem solving, I guess I probably am a maverick. Okay. On myself, when it comes to myself, um, I guess it depends what it is. Okay. I don't think twice about, uh, for example, uh, jumping out of airplanes, speed skating, doing uh, doing more risky types of sports. Okay. Um, but at the same time, it might surprise you for me to say that uh, uh, I also don't mind flying a plane, let's say, okay. or being on a plane. Right. Uh, but I am afraid of heights. <laughs> okay. 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 <laughs> so I, 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 I guess what I'm trying to say is, is um, I, I'm. I'm not afraid to to do things that have uh, some risk or some danger associated with them. I like to think that I know what the aspects of the danger are so that I can mitigate those aspects as best as I can. Okay. Um, so I don't think, for example, oh, if I'm a pilot on a plane, uh, I'm not going to be drinking heavily before I get on the plane or oh. on a car or something, right? Right. Okay. But I think that you have to understand what you might do or have a plan mm -hmm. or have some ideas of what things you might do if you got into trouble. Okay. And to be able to, to execute those things. So I wouldn't, uh, um, for example, get in a car after drinking a lot. Yeah. Uh, even though I might be able to make it home, it's just... Uh, you know that uh, I'm taking I'm taking more risk than I need to. That makes sense. So when you do this, is this choice to be a maverick or not? Then a conscious or an unconscious is, yeah, decision? I think it is a conscious choice to do that. Okay. Okay. I think uh, I've, I've seen some people who it's not a conscious choice. It's mm -hmm. just how they are. Um, but um, I think I think you can learn. Um, when to be conservative and when to be risky. Okay. What are the advantages uh, and disadvantages of being a maverick in business? Um, well, I think 
some people um, in, in, in large businesses in general, I find that they they have a somewhat conservative approach to things. Obviously, they have a lot to risk. Um, so taking great gambles, um, yeah, as they say, that you, you have to know when to gamble. And usually, in most of these successful things, they'll uh, oftentimes certain weighting or there, there's there's an acceptable level of risk that people are willing to take okay um in a, in a in 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 a case of where i think it makes sense to 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 look at riskier things or to or to be more mavericry is, is of course when the gain really has the potential of, of really being significant that uh, the size of the prize if you will okay. um, warrants being a, a little more willing to 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 try for things Okay. So, for example, if, if, if I told you, uh, would you be willing to, uh, um, you know, risk a dollar versus risking a million dollars, you might have a little bit of different thought uh, on, on, you know, you probably would be much more concerned about uh, uh, how you would uh, put a million dollars at risk versus a dollar. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, but the same, I think you also have to realize that uh, you know there are there are times that justify when taking a gamble or, or thinking outside the box and such like that. Oftentimes, will allow you to to create the next best thing, so to speak, okay. or the next big thing. Um, so you have to be willing to uh, uh, certainly to take some risk. Um, a difficult problem that has been around for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, oftentimes, as people have thought about it, I, I think it's somewhat naive for people just to think of, well, okay, I can solve any problem just as fast as, as the next problem. Um, that's, that's usually not how things work. Um, if, for example, I could predict the stock market uh, every day, I, I probably would do that, but uh, I, I'm not able to do that. Okay. And I don't know a way of doing that uh, with a high enough precision that uh, that I entertain that type of thing. But I, I am willing to take on some things that people would say would have very high risk with the knowledge that I think that I have an understanding of what are some of the main things that influence finding a solution. Okay. So uh, it's, it's a willingness and the experience, I think, sometimes... Um, to work on a problem. Okay. Has age and experience altered your maverick approach? And if so, how? Well, um, I, I like, I, I think with, with very large projects, um, those have to be tested at, at, at a lot of levels. So you want to, uh, you want to have uh, as, lo- as wide an array of, uh, of solutions mm-hmm. early on in the program, and you want to rigorously uh, test those uh, and, and any assumptions you have with those as early as you can to see whether they're going to work. Um, in a company like this, if you, if you come up with a lot of um, good ideas, you will build a reputation amongst the people, and they will come to you for the next solution. Okay. But if you all of a sudden start giving uh, some bad advice that turns out to not be a good mm-hmm. solution, your reputation will fall faster than it was built. Okay. And, uh, so there is always a risk 
okay so looking back so looking back has Asian experience altered how you are a maverick yeah so um, well I, along the way you learn certain events you can sort of see how solutions were sort of proposed mm-hmm. why certain things fail there, there's a lot of great ideas that just sound you know how could this idea not work mm-hmm. and then you later learn hmm, it didn't work because maybe the timing wasn't right for that maybe something that was constant before may have changed so say I'll, I'll give you an example in my industry so you sort of see how this can work and, and okay. I'll call this times can change or the need for that change uh, or the need for that solution may change um, if you look back in our industry mm-hmm. uh, maybe 10 to 15 years ago yeah. you had a situation where the oil price had actually been higher and fell down to about ten dollars per barrel okay Today it's, today it's about $100 a barrel, depending on which type of oil you're buying in a global marketplace. But for this purpose, I think it's good enough to say it's around $100 a barrel. Okay. So we have very quickly, in, in our time of, of, say, 10 to 15 years, the price of a barrel of oil has gone up by a factor of 10. Mm-hmm. Um, the price of gas has probably only gone up by a factor of 2 versus today and, say, maybe what it was, if, if that. Okay. In, uh, in that period of time. Um, so one would say, wow, if you had, uh, you know, in a business that looks for oil and gas, if you've been finding oil only, you would have probably made a lot of money. Right. But in general, in our industry, most of the companies, if you look at what they've developed and grown over the last 15 years, is they've actually, most of the big companies actually have a, uh, a greater percentage in their assets now of gas and oil. Mm-hmm. So they really haven't foreseen what the market was. But they may have had a thought 10 or 15 years ago that what they needed to do was find more gas. Um, what I'm trying to get at is we don't always know what, what the future is going to going to lead for us. Okay. Um, but we have to make some assumptions about what things might be valuable for us. Uh, and we have to learn from that. Our investments typically are of the order of, say, they can be 20 to 100 year investments. Mm-hmm. If you look at some of the things that we work at, that are very important to the financial uh, success of these types of projects, the price of the commodities that we go and sell vary very widely. So that a great price today may have been a great poor price 15 years ago. Okay. And then, and then years before that, the price may have been higher. So you want to be able to think about, you know, what happens in the future. For example, if one of these commodities becomes cheap or becomes expensive, you have to. Uh, there isn't a solution, in my opinion, to mm-hmm. these things. You want to come up with a series of what we like to call scenarios. So under the following scenario, this is what happens. Mm-hmm. And then if you understand that scenario, then you can decide what might be conditions that you could win. Uh, profit, help do great good for the public, uh, all of the things we'd like to do. Uh, and what scenarios that that type of solution would fail under. Okay. So I guess what I'm trying to say is a maverick might not look for a solution. He might look for, or she might look for, 
uh, more than one solution mm-hmm. and to find out which solution uh, is is most applicable to um, you know different problems. Okay. Because the conditions in the marketplace are going to change. That's that seems to be one of the things that's somewhat somewhat of a constant in our business is okay. is things change. So it's not what is the best solution at one condition, but what what are the best solutions for a number of conditions? Okay. My next question then. Um, and remember, this is focusing mainly on you, okay? Okay. So what aspects of your life and business are you most and least maverick in? Least maverick in, okay. Um, um, so training of, of people that work with me. Yeah. When it comes to safety and operations like that, I tell them not to take a lot of risks. Okay, that makes sense. As you've explained uh, I don't want earlier. To get them hurt. I want them to come to work and go home in the same condition that's there. And my management is also, you know, adamant about that I should mm-hmm. do everything on my part to make sure that we we do that because it, it uh, impacts them personally and professionally also, just like it does me and, and anyone who works with me. And where are you most, Maverick? Okay. So I like to ask the questions. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll give you an example of, of something I was was working on. Okay. Um, my guess is uh, statistically you may you may know someone or you yourself may wash uh, uh, wash your clothes, for example, with uh, a product that I developed. Okay. Um, or your dishes or such like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm not someone who is an expert in. Okay. But uh, I, how I oftentimes work, or how I, how I like to work in work is, I will usually get together with people who are working on a business area, on something that has some relevance to people's lives, uh, and uh, something around energy or chemicals typically is where it'll, it'll sort of reside. Mm-hmm. And I usually like to ask people, well, what are they trying to do so that I learn about an area if I don't know enough about it already. And uh, I usually ask people why, uh, what, what, what are the intrinsic properties or why do we think that a product that may be a leader, in other words have, uh, say, uh, the best price performance curves and uh, let's say the best uh, uh, market penetration or greatest percentage of the marketplace, uh, you know, why that product has gotten to, to where it is, um, you know, is it brand recognition? Is it uh, the product really does work better? Um, people just just seem to respect the product or, or what have you. But I generally try and understand why that product, how it's put together from a technical point of view. Okay. And then and then where I guess I'm a little bit uh, um, sometimes I think I'm most productive. Okay. Is uh, I, I oftentimes ask questions. Um, that perhaps sound very stupid. So a lot, of, like I say, there's a lot of times when I enter into business areas uh, to try and learn what goes on there that I don't know everything about them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in asking questions along these types, sometimes what you find people's behavior is. I notice sometimes people will 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 get to a point where you ask them a very difficult question, where they may not know every aspect of the 
Right, right. Or, or we, we've, that, that's just how it's always been. And, you know, generally for me, I usually will, when I sense those kind of things, that people start giving those, those, those kind of answers with, that tells me that there is either a lack of understanding at that point, or we have settled for something to the point of where we've almost created a paradigm. Okay. That this is how things are. And I like and find that one can be very, very successful a lot of times if one challenges paradigms. Okay. Paradigms don't mean that they always are fact. They oftentimes are personals or people's um, observations, but they may not be as complete as they could be. Okay. Um, and a lot of times people, you know, there's, there's um, an interest uh, and, and somewhat of a respect almost sometimes in the area of, say, physics, where people love to have very simple statements that will describe everything. Uh, so it's like unified, unified field theories or, you know, these laws of kind of things where those things are, are perceived to explain everything that's out there, so to speak. Okay. They're usually, these things can be very beneficial because they can help guide us in many ways, but there usually are some exceptions to that. I really like to poke around the areas that where the exceptions might exist or okay. the challenge. Why do we have a certain view? If you were to tell me um, the best-selling cars, uh, for example, are black, I don't know that that's true. I'm just this mm-hmm. hypothetical at this okay. point in time. Um, you know, that, that would be a statement to me that would I, I would want to know why that was and to understand why you had that opinion. Okay, and that makes often, sense. Often it might turn out that that may be true at a certain period of time, but not, let's say it might be true in the 90s, mm-hmm. but it might not have been true in the 80s or the 70s. Right. Um, there may be things that go there. So the concept that someone might take is, well, we're going to always make a black car. That might not always be a good idea. It also might be a good idea, but I want to understand why that was true and, and to see some background. Okay. That. I, I, would, I would want to go out very quickly and analyze what were the most popular cars in the last, say, you know, five or six decades mm-hmm. um, and, and really test and try and validate that. Okay. Um, there's, there's other aspects of this, but, but sometimes, we, we, what I'm trying to say is sometimes we, we create paradigms where we, we almost impose certain aspects of an answer that we really shouldn't be doing. We almost try and simplify things that the answer covers too much okay. when it really doesn't, it really doesn't seek to aim or, or it, it shouldn't try and be as broad an answer as possible. Okay. It might leave an opportunity, for example, for you to change a product slightly and to make it better. So, how do you balance being a maverick with home life? Um, yeah, that's a good question. Um, I'm not sure I'm, I'm as much a maverick in my home life as I am uh, in my work life. I think that I'm rewarded more for being um, uh, for for being uh, uh, to consider and to think about new ways of doing things. Whereas mm-hmm. in my home life, I think my my role there is to be uh, more predictable, to 
okay. uh, husband, for example, and, and to be dependable. And I think predictability in many cases is is very important to me in my home life. Okay. It's probably less important in my work life. That, 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 would, that would tie in with what you're saying. Is any, yeah. part, is any part of being a maverick related to the legacy you want to leave behind? Um, yeah, I, 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 I think uh, if I understand the question right, I, mm -hmm. I would like to be perceived by my peers as uh, that I was of value to my organization because I was willing to consider a wider range of things than perhaps uh, others in the organization uh, generally do. Okay. And how much, if anything, of being a maverick is related to give back? Oh, um, well, I think, you know, I, I think we learn so much from those around us if we're willing to, to ask and to watch and to listen. Mm-hmm. and values impact on being a maverick? Well, um, I mean, we work for, I work for a very large organization. I mean, mm -hmm. there's close to 100,000 people probably in the company. Um, and I think um, brand recognition is very important to the organization. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I think it's absolutely essential to be ethical and to be very transparent with people about what you're doing. Okay. Um, I think most people can, can, well, a lot of people can smell a rat. Yeah. And I think once, you, once you're called a rat, it's hard to get that stink off of you. Yeah, true, true. Okay. Right, what's that gonna, what am I going to gain from yeah. that? What is she going to gain? 
Yeah. Um, likewise, in, in the workplace, I uh, I think um, that that it that's just a cancer. If you create the uh, if you start to be unethical, you, yeah. you create the, yeah. That that that's <laughs> it's not worth it. That's, um, it, that's, a, that's a very very um, poignant way of putting it across. Mavericks tend yeah. Mavericks tend to be risk takers. What's the biggest yeah. What's the biggest risk you have taken in business to date? Well, I think um, I put my reputation on a couple of things. To me, that meant everything. Okay, it wasn't money. Right. I realized that the company was expending. Uh, yeah. Um, you know, well over a billion dollars on on an idea that we were we were putting into action, mm-hmm. um, and then our customers were putting probably multi billion dollar uh, reputations on some of their key products based yeah. on our innovation. So it wasn't wasn't just. I mean, for me, it was my reputation that was the greatest thing. But mm-hmm. I realized also that it was. The financial uh, and, and, and corporate reputation of the company I work for, and and the impact that that could have on my colleagues and peers, but mm-hmm. also on uh, as you go down the chain mm-hmm. to people that use our products, that uh, you know have developed in many cases reputations that go back a hundred years or more. Uh, so for their willingness to to step outside the box and come up with uh, a radical new product, uh, there was a fair bit of risk that they had to take on okay. you know, saying, you know, this is really going to work. I'm sure that they didn't do that blindly. I'm sure that they had their own evaluations and things along the way to say, yep, we really think this is worth taking the risk and, uh, you know, we're, we're going to do it because we think the gain is worth it. Okay. But that's, uh, you know, it's not just me, but, but, but I think, if you ask me, it's not money. It's 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 personal reputation. That that to me is very important. Okay. How many ventures have you taken in the past five years? In the past five years. Mm-hmm. Now, so let me hear the front part of that again. So I just make sure I understood that. How many ventures or projects have you t- undertaken? Yeah. Okay. So I've last five years. Uh, I would say. Um, at least ten. Okay. That I've been involved in. And what would so you? I've been involved in a lot of different things. Okay. Most of them have have not gone uh, to be uh, a commercial reality. Okay, that was brings me to my next question. What are the characteristics of a successful venture? Um, it's um, so it was an idea. Um, let me give you three examples. So in all three examples, um, the idea challenged an existing paradigm. Mm -hmm. So it it involved doing something that most of the people in the marketplace would have said was was probably not going to work. Okay. But it worked because people didn't understand everything. They had, they had, um, I'll give you a hypothetical right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you were to look at your hand, right. you obviously have fingers on it. Yep. Okay. Um, some people would say a hand is best if it has five fingers. Right. And if you have no fingers, 
on your hand, uh, the hand won't work. Okay. I, I'm, I'm not saying that's a true statement. Yeah, but, okay. But let's just say that that was what was there. And let's say you came up with uh, a certain application that actually was best served by having three fingers. Mm-hmm. Um, that might have been unexpected if somebody believes you've got to have five. True. Okay, but they had never tested to see whether something would work with three fingers, so they were surprised at that. They'd only tested, for example, no fingers and five fingers. Right. Okay, and so kind of, uh, I oftentimes challenge paradigms this sort of way. So if, right. if people, people will say five fingers is best because no fingers doesn't work, I'll say, well, what about one finger? What about two fingers? What about three fingers? What about four? You told me five works. You told me none doesn't. What about the real? I mean, to me, it's so obvious to others. Uh, I don't know. Sometimes it's not always obvious to people. Okay, so with these projects that you do then, how do, what uh -huh. do you... What do you consider that this? How do you how do you decide that they're successful? Okay, so they did a couple of things. One, one there was a problem right that uh, the marketplace wanted, so it's very important right. Um, and that, and that can be measured in a number of ways. It could be that you need to produce something cheaper with the same performance. Mm -hmm. it could be that you want something that performs better. What better is oftentimes might might vary a lot. It could, for example. Uh, maybe you make a, a laundry detergent that uh, that cleans uh, certain kinds of stains that you've never been able to remove before. Okay. Uh, maybe it also has better biodegradability, such that something when it comes out of your washing machine and goes into the sewer, yeah, that it has lower aquatic toxicity. Okay. Maybe it's something that all of a sudden, instead of having to use hot water, maybe you could just use cold water. And that will save on your energy bill. Right. So the success is variable. Things. These are all things that, that are actually, you know, to, to you as a consumer, are probably obvious. Mm -hmm. But how do we go about doing that? Okay. How do we do it cheaply? Um, well, we, we came up with a solution for this. Mm-hmm. Um, and it challenged uh, a couple paradigms that were in the marketplace. Okay. Um, so it was looking at what, what, what are the needs and willing to think about how we could go about doing that. One of the things that was limiting uh, our solution, why people hadn't thought of it before, was that um, it's kind of like this uh, hand with five fingers and no fingers. People hadn't built um, the surfactant function mm -hmm. or the, the, the cleaning function mm -hmm. uh, in as many ways. There were other ways of putting putting together different uh, compounds into the formulation, right? With different physical properties. Okay. Um, and we found some that uh, you know met all of all of the needs of what you wanted. They uh, they biodegraded better. They uh, they worked in cold water. Mm -hmm. uh, they managed to uh, take out some other stains uh, that uh, were difficult uh, in years past. So that uh, people said, "Hey, I'm willing to pay a little extra for that if it gets rid of this stain." Right. You know, so it's a, a certain kind of oil, or whether it's lipstick, or whether it's uh, a certain kind of gravy, or you know, 
So, I'm, I'm sure there's probably things around your house that, that, that you might say, well, that's a tougher stain than, 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 than other things. I wish I could, you know, get that out. Right, okay. So, so, so let me get this right then, Brendan. So the characteristics of a successful venture are dependent on what you're trying to achieve. There's not a straight yeah, cut. right. So in our case, we were selling a product yeah. to one of the major household uh, cleaning companies. Mm -hmm. I don't need to mention their name at this point in time, but you'd you know it. Um, they're the, for example, in this case, it was the world's leader. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, they, they had ideas where they wanted to put their product into certain applications. Mm -hmm. But, you know, they were also willing to say, you know, we'd really like to have something better than what you're giving us right now. Yeah. Because, you know, that's been good, but, you know, what about the next big thing? And uh, so we had to say, well, okay, how can we make this product better? And there's, as I mentioned to you, there's a number of, of aspects that you could improve a product. Right. And if you can improve it in all those aspects, that's even greater. I mean, that, that's, always, that's always nice when you can do that. Sometimes you only get one or two, and maybe the other aspects are equivalent to where they were before, but you benefit from one or two. Mm -hmm. if, you, if they have, let's say, five, five uh, guidelines that you have, or, or targets that you have to meet, and you, and you, and you, you know, kick it through the goalposts on all five, then, hey, that's even better. But okay. that isn't always the case. So where projects are successful of the ones that you've worked on when they have been successful what did you personally do that made that venture successful okay so um i think the first thing i did was to sort of challenge why there wasn't a solution in the first place why were we limited why if, if we had things that we wanted to do better right what was limiting us so right. what was holding us back okay okay so that's Right. That's how I normally will work. Okay. Okay. Um, and focused on on understanding that, and then went about looking at um, um, throughout throughout the literature and and in many many areas of of, of uh, applications. Mm -hmm. um, you know, how has a problem of this type been solved? Right. So I'll give you another example. So a different a different problem, not in say the laundry detergent uh, type of business, but um, we have we have a, a, a process when we're making uh, uh, some of our chemicals in uh, um, in uh, in our plants, where um, in in preparing them, we we actually generate a material in very very small quantities that we'd like to remove. But we had never had a big thought of how to remove it essentially to the point where you couldn't even detect it at all. Right. So the level of removal that we needed to be able to do was not something that was ever imposed on us, so we didn't have to do it. Didn't have um, uh, uh, environmental aspects associated with it, so we didn't have to do it. I mean, certainly if there was something you know toxic or something like that, we would have removed it, but that wasn't the case in, in, in our case. Mm -hmm. But we changed a process to a point of where this small amount of material in it had got to a point where it actually started to inhibit a process that we wanted to do. So it became a poison for a reaction. So we needed to go and figure out a way to remove this 
that you've been involved in that were unsuccessful what would you consider was the one the main reason for their failure Okay. Was one 
happened was we had chosen a strategy of what we were going to start with. Mm-hmm. And over time, its price changed to the point that it didn't matter how well we did the chemistry mm-hmm. to making the product. Right. The product had gone up in value, or the, excuse me, the starting material had gone up in value so much that there were alternative products that could be made through non-traditional, at that time, mm-hmm. uh, starting materials that became advantaged. Okay, okay. So, in a, so you know, disruptions can occur by us doing our action or our competitors can disrupt us. Right, okay. That's how that's, I like to look at it. Okay. So, you know, the, the game was changed. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, you can look at this and this, you know, I, I haven't touched on it before, but I, I find it very educational for me mm-hmm. to try and understand, uh, to me this is part of the maverick behavior, seek to understand what has caused great disruptions in in the chains of important businesses. Right. So, you know, there's a number of people that, that, that study these kind of things. There's yeah. a guy named Clayton Christensen who who writes books on, on these, these types of things. And, you know, he studies certain industries where, where you know, these massive industries that, you know, seem to be, you know, very profitable, very uh, uh, big companies that you think would last forever. And then all of a sudden, over time, these companies kind of shrink and get absorbed. So if you look at a company like Xerox yeah. or Kodak. Yeah, I was thinking um, Kodak. The steel business, for example. Yeah. You know, how, how, how they've got uh, disrupted and things like that. Um, okay. So, you know, we can't sit on our laurels. That's no. one of the things. I think why we're valued in our organization is um, the people in the business put up with us, uh, a strange thinker, so to speak, or as mavericks, yeah. because they're always worried that, you know, their business is going to get demolished by some um, new idea or some asteroid that's going to come into their business world. Okay. Uh, that they don't see until it uh, until it rushes in, and then there's not much they can do about it. Okay. So to anticipate it. Yeah, that makes sense. As a maverick, what are you afraid of? Um, complacency. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my biggest challenges in in the company I work for is it, it's very easy for a business when you're in a in, in the times where you may be a leader in a business, mm-hmm. you you're, you don't want that situation to change. Mm-hmm. And you also can get very complacent that you're the best because you're the best. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but you may not always be the best in the future. So you may be the best now is what I'm saying. Okay. But, but what about tomorrow? What are you doing about now to keep yourself being the best in the future. I, I know of a number of times when we and others in the industry have had very, very attractive and enviable positions in certain areas. Mm-hmm. And by becoming complacent right. and not working as hard as we perhaps in that were in the past to, to create that leadership position okay. that we may have allowed people to come in. So you, you know, if you want to be a leader, you've got to you've got to keep working hard at it. You can't just say, ah, I, I won my gold medal and now I will always be the best. Yeah, that well, Maybe in a history book, that you takes... will always be a gold medalist, but you will not be the current gold 
gold medals. Okay, so this takes me nicely into the next few questions. How important? How important is team to you as a maverick? I think it's essential in, okay. in, in the types of things that I work on. Okay. Um, I'm physically not able to do all of these things. I don't have the money. It's not right. my money. Right. Even though I'm a, a shareholder, I'm not the major shareholder in my right. company. Um, I may not, in some cases, I mean, in our business, we do a lot of things. So say, for example, we oftentimes operate in other countries with other countries. Uh, we lease reserves sometimes, or we get involved in uh, production sharing agreements of okay. where someone may own the oil that we convert into, say, higher-valued products. Mm -hmm. So we may not always own the raw material that is uh, dependent in our processes. So we have to work as a team, whether it's with other countries, mm -hmm. whether that's with, with, with other companies, uh, as is in, with, say, joint ventures mm -hmm. or, or, or cooperatives or such like that, and then just internally within the company. I, I have a certain skill set. Mm -hmm. uh, I like to think of myself as being able to envision and have some idea about how we can do things better. Mm -hmm. um, but, there, but, you know, I'm not the person who would get called, for example, uh, to... Uh, handle all the issues around marketing of a product okay. or uh, how we package the product or such like that. I'd be happy to, you know, give my input to that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the people who handle the business, um, certain people that build control systems in the labs uh, and in the plants, um, I mean, we're, to me, the team part, even, even the people that work very close to where we're directly with me in my, in my realm, they're very important because, you know, they're, they're, they're part of the solution. Okay. Uh, it's, not, it's not one person who solves the thing and the rest are just a pair of hands. That's, yeah. That, 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 that's a very arrogant uh, thought to, uh, if one was to have only that. Okay. They're, they're, they're additional mavericks to help me with the things that I'm not mavericky enough on. Okay. So, does being a maverick affect your approach to leadership? Um, I think it does. I like to, when I put together or I'm involved in teams, mm -hmm. I like to have diverse teams. Right. There's a willingness that I can think of some things, but I also respect that other people who come from different backgrounds may have a different perspective. Mm -hmm. Their idea may be very normal to them, mm -hmm. but it could be very creative. It might be something that I haven't thought of. Okay. And I want to make sure that I include that. Maybe it is what I've thought of, but just as much it could be something else that I can challenge my own idea and compete. And if their idea is better, hey, let's, let's use it. Let's, okay. let's develop it. Is being a maverick related to creativity then? And if so, how? There is a creativity component with it, but mm -hmm. I think it's a willingness to, to think broadly is what I like to think of. Mm -hmm. Rather than be only focused on one way of doing things and, and, and one aspect, mm -hmm. it's, uh, I think, um, um, you know, it's, it's how, can we, how can we accomplish this task? Okay. What are, what are potentially the best ways or what, or what are all of the ways, ways or, or yeah. what are many, many of the ways? And, um, and then you can make choices. If you have choices to choose from, yeah. I think you're always better off. <laughs> true, true. Is there anyone who's a maverick that inspires you? Um, yeah, 
well, we have we have peers uh, in the organization. I, I oftentimes will go to certain people. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, if I can't come up with something, I, I certainly uh, I I will look to see if others can uh, can come up with an idea. Okay. And and I, I do I do identify some people who who come up with more unconventional answers. Right. So I like to include them. Okay. What motivates you? Um, again, for in well, <laughs> so there, there's there's in life. And there's in my job, so I'm going to ask you which uh, does it need to be one or the other, or and both. I'm, or? I'm going to say both. Okay. Um, well, I want to. I guess uh, the ability to uh, I, I, I gravitate towards opportunities that are uh, are uh, somewhat surprising and and novel. I, I do like novel ideas mm-hmm. and solutions. That ties in with what you were saying, as in your as you're more of a maverick in your in the workplace than you are in your personal life. I think that's really true. I, 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 I it, it's nice to be able to surprise my wife from a while. She certainly likes, uh, you know. Uh, I would describe uh, that, um, you know. Sometimes it's it's just fun to uh, see how things come out. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I'm not sure that. Uh, our, our marriage would be best if everything was a surprise a moment. Uh, okay. <laughs> okay. There, there, there are certain things for your own survival and such like that you kind of have to plan on. So, for Great. example, uh, you know, you might consider, uh, I'm, I'm one of these persons who, very young, I started working on jobs when I was, uh, and, and uh, you know, for money, whether they're around the neighborhood or such, mm-hmm. when I was 10 years old. Right. I liked doing that because I liked having a little extra pocket money. Yeah. So final question, what would you like to have been asked that I haven't asked you? What would you like to ask me or what, talk about that you haven't asked me? Yeah, what would you like, what question would you have liked me to ask you that I haven't included? Hmm. Well, that one may have stumped me. I, I, I didn't come into this with uh, with any expectation, so I didn't, I didn't have a feeling that... Uh, that there was a certain, uh, a specific question that you wanted to uh, okay. um, to get from me. So I'm 
not sure that I have one that's there. That's fine. Um, I, I guess, well, I guess I do have one question. Go on. So, I, I, do you consider yourself a maverick, and why? 